And now, from beyond our dimension, this is the Jeff Mara Podcast. Here's Jeff. My guest is Terry Yoder, who after his near-death experience at age 14, realized that he had new special abilities that he now uses to help people. Terry, thank you for joining me and welcome. Thank you so much for having me. It's a delight to be here. Thank you. Terry, if you don't mind, let's start on the day that your NDE happened and go from there. Okay. Well, uh, Jeff, I've had several. My birth was actually a near-death experience because they had to take me cesarean two months early in 1965. So I was born at seven months, weighed three pounds. Um, that was my first near-death experience. The The thing that I can take away from that, Jeff, is that I remember my birth. I remember the light hitting my face. I could describe the color of the walls, the texture of the headbands, the hats that the surgeons wore. So uh, I've year realized years later that I do have that memory. But the main near-death experience was at 14. Um, I grew up in a very rural part of East Central Indiana. It was very, very lonely there. It was very difficult being different so what somewhat um in that area during that time period um i had a, a lot of hardship and was bullied horribly um through my childhood which really reduced my self-esteem by the time i was 14 i just i looked down and i really didn't feel much sense of purpose for myself so I had finally met a friend, and that friend taught me to huff gasoline. That's a crazy thing to do. But as a 14-year-old kid in the country, I was huffing gasoline. It makes you high. And it was Memorial Day weekend, 1979, Sunday, the day of the Indianapolis 500. Uh, or, yeah, the day before the Indianapolis 500. And... Uh, huffing gasoline for a very long time and i i left my body i was hovering above my body for what seemed like an eternity and then i realized as i was watching or looking over myself that i was literally pulling back moving further and further and further away from my body and as i was moving further away from my body i noticed that it was like darkness was starting to come in around me and I remember a voice speaking to me and saying, just let go. Just let go. It'll all be fine if you just let go. But I didn't trust it because it's like, why is it dark? Why is it dark? And who is this voice of somebody that I can't see? And by the saving grace of God, my father opened the garage door. And when he did, I was thrust back into my body and wide awake, fully alert and ready for punishment. Uh, and But it saved my life. Uh, my parents were really beside themselves and didn't know what to do with me. So they shipped me off to my grandma's in Arizona for the summer or part of the summer. And when I was, just before I left to go there, I realized, Jeff, one morning, I 
looking at things, everything that is had a small golden aura of light around it. Every blade of grass, every leaf on every tree, every person, every dog, every plant. And I'm like, something's different. Something is absolutely different. What has happened? And when I was when I got to Arizona, I was snooping around in a drawer and I found a deck of tarot cards. My grandmother, I pulled them out and my grandmother had no idea where they came from, who they belonged to. We've since uh, ended that mystery and found out that they were my uncles. And he had loaned them to my aunt and she put them in the drawer. But when I pulled the cards out, they came to life for me. I knew things, saw things, felt things uh, that there's no way that I could have known. And my grandmother said, you have a special gift. And if you use your mind and you're very careful and thoughtful of people, you have something that you can do that could really be of help and service to a lot of people. So I took that very seriously. And I played with the cards all summer long, and I was getting better and better. And my grandmother would be like, oh, my God, it's amazing what you know, but you have to be careful on uh, because there's some things that we just don't discuss. So um, she was a big, amazing help for giving me support and security, moving forward, learning this new gift. So. That was uh, 14 years old. I was just entering high school that year. Uh, when I got back home to Indiana after the summer, uh, I, I started high school. And in September of that year, I was very led uh, by the help of a neighbor to enter uh, fundamentalist Pentecostalism. And I did. At 14, I entered the Pentecostal church. I was there for four years. I was a gospel singer. Um, I put the cards away. I put everything into my Christian faith. Um, I left the church at 18 because I had a very difficult time finding the love amongst the people. So I just, I left. And I went back to my spiritual practice. I started working with cards again. And one day when I was 19 years old, working in Dayton, Ohio, I had a young lady at work that I opened up to and told her that I did had done readings. And of course, she wanted one. And she had a friend who wanted one. And that's where it all started. That's where my private practice actually started. And I've been doing readings Ever since I worked as a travel agent by day and psychic by night. <laughs> so, and in actuality, my my psychic work actually did help me in my travel work at one point. I'd always prayed that I would never put on it, put anyone on a plane that went down. And in 2001, uh, July, I was making a reservation, one of the last airline reservations that I made for anyone in the industry because I quit shortly after because um, I went self-employed. Um, I, I read for, I was making a reservation for a friend of mine who was going to Boston. 
And she says, well, I can't, I can't re- figure out whether to come back on the 11th or the 12th. I says, well, honey, you deserve a break, sweetheart. Just go ahead and stay until the 12th. Well, I, she agreed, and I changed the reservation from the 11th to the 12th. And in doing so, I changed the reservation off of the plane that flew into the World Trade Center. Wow, that's amazing. Because uh, it was a Boston-San Francisco flight, and she was booked on 9-11 on the flight that went into the World Trade Center. And seconds before issuing that ticket, I talked her into changing it to the 12th. And then I didn't work in the travel industry anymore. So, but also additionally, I had a a few weeks before 9-11, I had a lady from New York call me for a reading and it came over me and I said, ma'am, I need to tell you something very serious. I says, you have a son who works as a police officer, you've told me, and I just need you to know that something is going to happen and it's going to be very frightening and very scary. But when it happens, you may not be able to find your son for a moment in time, but just know that he is well and he's going to be okay. He's going to rise like a phoenix from the ashes. He was in the area where that all happened. He was down in the subway helping people. He didn't come out until later that night and he literally stepped out in the smoke. Mm. And she called me a few days after 9-11 and she says, Terry, I just need to thank you because if I had not had your words to hang on to, to know that my son was okay, I don't know how I would have made it through, but you were exactly right. He's without spot, wrinkle or blemish and he's helped a lot of people. So um I I realized very early on, you know, and with the help of my grandmother, that I I did have to have these gifts, and that accumulated with the fact that I spent time in the church. It has always been my greatest hope and desire that I would be able to be of service, to be of help, to lighten people's load, to brighten their day, and and give them direction. Um, and that's what I've always focused on doing. And then, you know, as the gifts progress, because they do continue to evolve, as my gifts progressed, I ended up as what I call an empathic medium. So I have a tremendous sense of the gift of empathy, and I am able to utilize that and my other gifts to bring messages and connections with people from the other side. That is one of the most powerful and most healing ways that I have seen these gifts work and operate. As a as an example, uh, not long ago, I had a lady call me and she said, the reason I'm calling you today is because tomorrow is the three-year anniversary of my husband committing suicide. And as soon as she said that to me, Jeff, I hear him say to me, tell her, tell her that I smile at her every day. Every day I smile at her. I said, ma'am, I need to let you know that your husband is telling me urgently that he smiles at you every day. And she just burst into tears, Jeff. 
I says, ma'am, what's wrong? Is something coming up for you? She says, Terry, you have no idea that every day I look at his picture and say, are you smiling at me today? Hmm. And it was a it was a video phone call. And when it happens, Jeff, I literally see pounds coming off of people's shoulders. They're able to let it go. They're able to release. When I'm able to tell people, your loved one felt absolutely no pain in this accident. They were gone before. They were sucked out of the body before they even had impact. They never even felt it. The relief that that brings to people is tremendous. It's just been amazing to see the effect this has working with people in this capacity. And you know, Jeff, no, I have never had a bad message from the other side. No one has ever came angry, pissed off, upset. Everyone is always in a good space, joyous, happy, happy to be there, happy to be communicating, happy to be in touch. Um, it's been quite a, a joyous road to increase in these gifts and abilities. And I want to make something very clear. This is super, super important. And when I prayed and asked if there's one thing that I really needed to bring forth in this call today with you, it's the fact that there is I there's nothing about me that is special. The gifts that I have are promised liberally to any person who wants or desires them. So there's absolutely nothing special about me. I believe that the near-death experience had to happen to me, Jeff, because creator, uh, divine spirit needed to wake me up about my own personal worth um, so that I could have these gifts and abilities to show me my purpose and to set me on my path of divine greatness. So that's my that's my view on that. I'm I'm very grateful. Don't say that I would really want to have the experience over again, but I'm very grateful. In regards to having the experience over again, I did. I had the experience again at 41. Um, I was in a head-on collision at 72 miles an hour. And I was returning uh, from an, a location in the center part of the state, coming down a hill. And I began to sneeze incessantly over and over and over to the point that I literally passed out behind the wheel of my car. When I came to, I was about three inches from a bus full of people. And I'm like, oh, my God. And you process very quickly. And I I thought I was able to look and see that there was nothing coming. But when I flipped into the left-hand lane, one, two, three, smack. That was that quick. In that three seconds, my entire life flashed before my face, and then a green light came down over top of me. It was like I was moving forward at this very rapid speed, going through this green light. And literally, when the accident occurred, I never even encountered the impact. 
As a matter of fact, 90 seconds later, I was trying to push on the gas and it's like, why is it not going? And then I realized, oh my God, there's no windshield. There's no window in the top. I hear the hissing. I smell the oil and things and know that I've been in an accident. Um, during that experience, there was a fellow who was right behind me in the car behind me and he came in physical form and was helping me and giving me my wallet and phone and talking to me. And he was going back and forth between me and the other fellow in the car. And every time he would leave, Jeff, there would be this other fellow on my driver's side about 50 feet from me. And he was just standing and watching. My guy would come back. My physical guy would come back and he would be there no more. The guy would leave and he would be back again. Finally, uh, the fellow in physical form left and never came back. And here comes this guy right up to my window, this other fellow. And he introduced himself and says, hi, Terry, I'm Ben. I've come to be with you in this moment so you don't have to have this experience alone. May I touch you? I'm yes. And what am I going to do? I'm impaled on the dash of the car. I can't get out. So, yeah, I guess you can touch me. Uh, he placed his hand on my heart, and I went completely limp, Jeff. And I'm looking into two of the most beautiful sunburst blue eyes I've ever seen. And he says, Terry, the only thing that you need to know moving forward from this experience is that there's absolutely nothing to worry about. You will heal. He and the other car, he will heal. And all will be fine. There's absolutely nothing to worry about. As soon as he said that, ambulances and police cars started showing up. And he stepped back from my window and smiled at me and says, well, now I need to go. And he vanished in front of my face. And I knew I had been touched by an angel. And I trusted and believed, Jeff, that I was going to be okay, that the fellow in the other car was going to be okay. Um, that message was so powerful to me because when you've had a head-on collision with someone and it's your fault, not my fault because I was doing anything wrong, my fault because I sneezed and passed out behind the wheel, and you don't know whether you've just killed someone. Oh, the guilt, the shame, and the agony. Um, I was so relieved to find out that this fellow was okay. And um, yes, just so relieved to know that he was okay and that both of us were divinely protected in that accident. So I spent four months in a nursing home learning to walk again. And I do. And I have, I'm without issue and uh, even more greatly the second near-death experience the one at 41 i feel like that really kind of cleared away some blocks for me around using my gifts and abilities and being visible out in the world uh and being okay with stepping up and owning my gift and 
used to when I would get on planes and people would ask me, why are you coming to Portland? Oh, I'm, I'm here to do some work. Oh, really? What do you do? Oh, I'm a consultant. You know, they don't know I'm a spiritual consultant. They just know I'm a consultant. But then one day somebody asked me and I just, why am I hiding? I have nothing to be ashamed of. I do amazing good work. I do work with great love. And I told them. <laughs> so I and now I, I don't I don't hide it. I, I let I am who I am. And I strongly believe and am grounded and centered in what I do. And I, I know that it's helpful to other people. So um that's what I do, and that's what I do every day. Um my sessions are, uh, they vary between like 15 minutes to two hours. And I never know what I'm going to be looking at, dealing with, who I'm going to be seeing. It just, it's brand new every single time. Terry, thank you for sharing your experiences with us. Do you think Ben was the same voice that you heard when you were 14? No. Did you ever figure out who that was then? At 14, in all honesty, I have I have debated within myself whether that was a a more negative dark side entity that was trying to get me to let go so that I could pass away. Um that was in that was even more greatly impounded in me uh when i was in the christian faith jeff because they used to say if you're doing the devil's work the devil has no need for you but if you're doing the work of god the devil will be right in your face and you know i believe that it was no accident i believe that that first near-death experience at 14 was there to help me really realize the power of who I am and that I am loved of God. I am somebody. I do have purpose. And it, in essence, I think it saved my life. Had I not had that experience and been led into the church, I don't know that I'd have survived four years of high school. So it was pretty bad. The bullying and things were pretty bad. So it gave me something to hold on to. But no, I don't believe that voice. I believe that voice was something that was trying to coerce me to let go so that I wouldn't take these gifts and I wouldn't have this ability to be of service on the planet. And I was saved. Do you think that you really don't need the cards to do what you do? They're just there to kind of help you focus? I don't use cards so much anymore. Um, you know, as my gifts grew, I became an empathic medium. I hear, feel, see, know, sense, intuit, um, emote, empath. It's just all there, and it just kind of runs like a modem through me. Um, these days, 
Um, I will use the cards like if somebody asks me just a quick yes or no question, I'll flip them over. This is a yes. You know, if uh, if somebody needs a little verification or I need a little bit of verification on something or a little bit more depth of information, I'll I'll click on it. I'll open the deck again. Like this time, if I if I had to pull this card, I'd say, sweetheart, you're at war with yourself. You need to realize what you really want and that you deserve it and go for it. And if you did, celebration, joy, and harvest of your abilities, that's that's what would happen. I just did that as a mock reading. If I drew those cards, most likely that's in the line of what I would say. So I use them more now just for verification. Um, I And I really do not believe that tarot is evil. If it was, I wouldn't use it. Um, I, you know, I just would not use it. I do not feel it's dangerous. I don't feel like it's something like a Ouija board or something like that that's going to bring in. I don't even, uh, when I work with cards, my guides and angels are separate voices that come in around me. Um, the cards just give me a source of focus, centering, and grounding. And they open the line for a lot more clarity and understanding in search in situations. So, no, I don't use them constantly. I'm not looking at every single card. There are certain readings that I do that I do use the cards extensively. As a matter of fact, I just introduced a new reading called an extended life path. That extended life path takes six major subjects of your life, health, friends, family, loved ones, um, work, money, love, uh, whatever else you want. And it follows all six of those subjects through a 12-month period. So, oh, in December, this looks like your, your business is going to be really going good, but you need to be very careful with what you spend. It also looks at the overall theme of the year, um, any unexpected aspects that could show up during the year, opportunities that are going to show up during the year, and what's going to challenge a person throughout the year. That reading utilizes 76 out of 78 cards. It takes me about five minutes to lay them all out. Um, that one is one that I really do look at the cards and deal with them specifically. There's a standard life path that looks at the next 12 months broken down in 10-day periods. Um, that's a much shorter reading, but again, I'm using it to focus on specific events during a specific period of time. The way that it actually comes out, my clients here, they transcribe that onto a calendar and then check it off when it happens. So uh, the reason I use tarot in those is because they're more predictive spreads. So they're more predictive. Um, and that said, prediction is something that I'm really not keen on because in all honesty, we cannot we can't predict someone's behavior. Everyone has free choice. I can tell you that, oh, you're going to you're going to love Johnny and you're going to marry him and live happily ever after. And I hang up the phone with you and you go, I hate Johnny. I don't want to marry him. You've changed your mind. 
I have no ability to see what someone's going to choose. Have the memories of those NDEs faded over time? No. There is life. Even the one at birth is as vivid for me today. If anything, if anything, Jeffrey, I sometimes wonder if there aren't times when they're more vivid. Maybe I'm drawing more from them. Maybe they're like these time-release things where I'm getting more from them over time. But the other thing that I honestly believe that the near-death experiences aided me with was when I was 14, I had a tremendous fear of death. So, and having had that experience and having had the experience with Ben, that was so powerful because it's like, oh my God, creator is right here with me, has blessed me, has kept the hand upon my back, kept me safe, and it enforced in me even more powerfully that I have work to do here, and I'm, I believe I'm here for a special purpose. There's nothing special about me, but I'm here for a special mission. And these experiences have helped open the doorway to that, help me clearly see. They've also given me the skills to ground and center and to be safe in who I am to do what I do. I feel like you were implying that people don't have to have an NDE to have the gifts that you have. And if that is so, what can they do to start being able to have those abilities? I'm so glad you asked that question. No one ever has. It is an amazing question. Thank you. Um, no, you do not have to have a near-death experience to develop spiritually. My near-death experiences happened to wake me up to the fact that I actually had worth, value, and purpose. Um, to develop spiritual gifts, what books are you drawn to? Start seeking information. The main thing, however, though, start asking your guides, your angels, and God for aid and assistance in understanding your spiritual gifts and to reveal them to you and to make them real. Um, ask for them. First of all, that's the first step is to ask for them. And then very strongly pay close attention to what's going on around you. Is there anything in your daily pattern or anything in your life pattern that's changing? Ask for it and then pay very close attention. The thing that the thing that is amazing to me, Jeff, is that I will work with someone. I worked with someone for seven years on a specific issue that took seven years to clear and to happen exactly the way that she had asked. And the first thing out of her mouth when she got it was, oh, I can't believe it. I'm like, girl, you better believe it. It took us seven years to manifest this. You better believe it. So asking for something and then expecting it. Allow it and expect it to be there. Be looking for it. And when it shows up, celebrate it. Give great gratitude and thanks for it. That's what 
That's what solidifies it inside is the expression of, hey, got it. Thank you. Gratitude. Then it becomes a real addition to you and it's fully accessible and usable. That's the first step. I'm willing to help anyone anywhere with this process of coming to know and accept their spiritual gifts. I can help them do the base work around it, but I cannot help them make the determination that this is who I am and this is my gift. They have to do that on their own. You know, in the Bible, it talks about the spiritual gifts in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians um, 12, I believe. And it lists all of the gifts. And then it says at the bottom, and unto all men is given liberally of these gifts as much as he would choose or as much as he would ask. So there's as many as you you can take as many as you want. You can take the ones you want and leave the ones that you don't. Um, and there's, again, that goes back to the fact that there's nothing special about me. I've always had a very gentle, loving nature to myself. And God made me that way. And I think that that was part of the plan to put me in here so I could do this kind of work. And it just took a little effort to get me to wake up and get off path and see what I was actually able, capable of. In your third NDE, you mentioned that your life flashed before your eyes. Would you consider that a traditional life review like some NDEers experience? Yeah. I mean, I saw my mom. I saw my dad. I, I saw various people that I went to school with. It was... Uh, the thing that really blew my mind was how much I could think and see and review that fast. Three seconds. Was there anything valuable that you got from that review? Kind of put a lot of things to closure. At the time that I had that experience... Jeff, I was really struggling because I had all of these people coming. I, I owned and ran my own spiritual center in San Francisco at the time. It was called Shift Happens. Um, and I realized that everyone coming through my door was, oh, my God, you're going to be rich and famous. You're going to be rich and famous. You're going to be rich and famous. Oh, my God, you're going to be on TV. And I'm like, <laughs> at the time, I, I don't want to be famous. I don't want to be some celebrity. Yeah, I'll go and do TV interviews. And I've been asked to do pilots for various paranormal shows. I've done them. Um, that's fine. I don't want to be famous. I don't want, I don't really want, I never really wanted to be famous. And at that particular time at 41, when people would tell me that, oh, I would get terrified. I don't want to be living under a microscope. I don't want to be famous. And I would be terrified. And I really think that that second near-death experience came to pry me out of a unhealthy relationship and to bring me to a better sense of grounding where I was more comfortable uh, 
getting the a higher level of attention and the ability to handle more and more and more of what I do. It's great that you mentioned that because I wanted you to expand more about the blocks that you had and you moved past in your life when talking about what you do. I think I had always expected ridicule and that people would not be accepting of what I do. And, you know, some people aren't. Some people aren't. And I've come to the point where it's like, well, that's your space. And I can accept the fact that you're there. And, you know, you're maybe you'll never believe. Maybe you will come to a point in your life where you do. Either way, I hope you find your way and that it's good for you. Um, I no longer plug in and take concern about what somebody thinks or what their opinion is of what I do. Very grounded and no, I do it because I believe it. If I say it and it comes out of my mouth, I can promise you that I believe what I'm saying. Am I always right? No. Anyone who tells you they are, run, because no one is ever completely right. Um, there's static. There's things that come. Um, the One of the areas that I'm either right on the money or off or way off can be time. <laughs> Why? Again, I have no ability to predict someone's behavior. I had two young ladies come to me and say, oh, we're sisters. We want to move to Europe. Um, when do you see that that could happen? Oh, you know, I see that you could have everything in order within within a year. A year and a half later comes back. They've moved the opposite direction and they've done absolutely nothing toward moving to Europe. When do you see us moving to Europe? Well, sweetheart, you could have been there now, but you've done nothing to get there. Yeah, well, we just want to know when. Can't predict it. Would a situation like that may cause you to be frustrated? It's not my life. It's not my issue. It's not my concern. And that is actually a real story that I just told you <laughs> about like sisters wanting to move to Europe. That's that's a true account. Um it used to the one of the hardest things I had to learn in this work, Jeff, was to let it go and to let people have their space. I would give I would tell people things that they needed to do to improve things or to save themselves from difficulty. And they go out and do the exact opposite. And I used to take ownership for that and think, oh, I failed. But it's not my, they're not my choices and decisions. And I'm really not in charge of or responsible for anything anyone chooses, the interpretation that they make of the information that I give them or the path that they choose to take. I can't take that on. I've realized, and this is something that I, this is something that comes out a lot and I talk about a lot. I believe that I've had several lifetimes where I've lived in religious service. I believe that I was a nun multiple times, several times in France. And 
Um, I've had some very strong clarity on some issues that went down in those lifetimes. But the thing that I realized in the early 2000s, Jeff, is that when I was in those lives of religious service, I took vows of poverty, chastity, humility, obedience, service, and sometimes silence. And those lifetimes are lifetimes of such devotion and they rarely end with someone feeling like, yes, I knocked it out of the park. Um, that when we come back, sometimes we can come back still plugged into those vows and they're working in the back of our mind and affecting the decisions that we make. So like for me, I took responsibility for everything everybody did or didn't do. And when I realized that that was the case and that those aspects were connected, I actually was directed by my spirit guides to relinquish all previous vows, oaths, and creeds made in this lifetime or any other lifetime previous. Anything that hinders me or holds me back, I relinquish, I release, I disconnect, and I give thanks knowing it is done. Uh, I did that in 2014. Three days after I did that, I was asked to go on a tremendous documentary that was done about a, a documentary called uh, Beyond Our Sight. Uh, that's been viewed like five million times on YouTube. I'd say that kicked the vow of uh, uh, not being seen out of the water. And my income increased amazingly uh, because of that, which poverty and humility were two of the vows that I was very strongly stuck in. Humility is no visibility. Oh, it's all God's glory, not mine. Oh, it's nothing that I did, blah, blah, blah. And then, of course, poverty is the inability to hang on to money or to see yourself as worthy and valuable enough to have it. When I relinquished those vows, everything changed. Can you say that again? Because I think that would be a great thing for all of us to do. Absolutely. Absolutely. So you just say, God's angels and guides, I ask that you aid me to relinquish all vows, oaths, and creeds made in this lifetime or any lifetime previous that hinder me or hold me back in any way. And I give thanks to you knowing that it is done, it is done, and it is done. Yeah, it's fantastic. And once you've done it, you're likely to start seeing patterns that you have relied on and held on to and such for a long period of time because the way that we've processed the energy around those vows, Jeffs, has a, has affected the choices and decisions that we've made. I'm able to look back over my life, Jeff, and see that because of the vows that were in place and the energy that I gave them, I have turned down some tremendous opportunities. Never even saw them as opportunities because my brain is too busy over here going, oh, no, no, I can't be seen, can't be seen, don't want to be famous. <laughs> yeah, and I think opportunities are coming at us all the time. We just don't take advantage of them. Bombarded daily, yes.
The thing that's so important, Jeff, is when you ask for something, expect it. By golly, ask for it. Ask for it heartedly, expect it, and then go looking for it. Go looking for it, expect it. And then when it shows up, go, oh, I don't know. I think that's just a coincidence. No, it's not. You asked for it. You got it, Toyota. (laughs) Has your dreams changed at all after your experience or experiences? Like dreams that sleep at night or dreams as I rarely dream and rarely remember them. As a matter of fact, I just asked my grandmother, my mother, my uncle, and my aunt to come visit me in a dream because I just needed a moment of time with them, and no dream was had. I get up the next morning, and I walk in my kitchen, and all my cabinets are open, and the light is on. And I hear my grandmother say, you don't remember your dreams anyway, so that's kind of useless. So the cabinets and the light, that was just as good of an experience with my family as having them come to me in a dream. Terry, after watching this podcast, people may want to reach out to you and ask you questions. Are you open to that? Absolutely. What's the best way to reach you? My website is uh, the best way to reach me, and it's terryyoder.com. That's T-E-R-R-Y-Y-O-D-E-R.com, all ran together. Um, There's a phone number on there. there, on the upper right-hand corner, there's also a button that says schedule an appointment. If they click that, it'll take them right to my online scheduling page. They have full access to my entire calendar. They can choose what fits their schedule and time and push the button and poof. It's just like ordering off of Amazon. So, but yes, I'm very open to that. Um, I'm here to be of service and to bring love to the planet. That's my purpose. Before we finish up, can you leave us with one last positive message? Yes. And I, I drew one card to share when you were talking about doing group readings. I pulled one card to share a message for everyone on this podcast today. And the card is the card of temperance. Temperance is the angel of healing. It represents the aspect that things are shifting and positively changing in a moment in time. Temperance is one of the slowest moving cards of the entire deck. Temperance is alchemy, blending the elements together to create that which is desired. The energy on that tells me and one makes me want to say that everything that you're asking for, everything that you're requesting is as important to the creator as it is to you. When you ask, expect, look for it, allow it, accept it, receive it. So in essence, temperance is saying that it's coming. Your prayers have been answered. Your prayers have been heard. Um, it's also a very strong sign that we are moving toward a much more powerful, positive existence than we currently have. The other thing that's really powerful about temperance is the fact that she has one foot on land and one foot on water, the aspect of spanning two worlds. Um, 
I see that as the connection to the spirit world. The veil is very thin. The The distance of separation between the two worlds has never been thinner, and it's getting thinner all the time. Um, accept what you know, feel, hear, see. Just trust it. No coincidences. Just trust it. Be flexible. Be able to span two worlds. And... Really slow your thoughts down and focus on what it is that you have asked for and trust that what you're seeing is its manifestation. Terry, thank you for that message and thank you for being my guest. Oh, you're very welcome. I'm delighted to have been here. This was a joyous experience. My pleasure. Thanks for watching the Jeff Mara podcast. I really appreciate you. Another way to show support is through YouTube memberships. And if you do, there are loyalty badges and other perks depending on your level of membership. All you need to do is click the join button underneath the video to find out more. Thank you for your support.